You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It was a bombshell. To use her own words, yesterday, Jody Wilson-Raybould had a chance to speak her truth. And it was an explosive, methodical account of what she described as relentless pressure to allow SNC-Lavalin to avoid criminal prosecution. In detail, she described 10 meetings and 10 phone calls involving 11 senior government officials, including Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Remember, he said that if she felt there was something wrong happening, she should have come to him and she did not. Well, according to her testimony, she told him exactly that in no uncertain terms. She said the pressure continued even after she made her decision. She believes her failure to comply is the reason she was demoted in cabinet. The only saving grace for the Liberals is that she said she did not think anything illegal happened, though it was inappropriate. After her appearance last night, the Prime Minister took to the microphones in Montreal with a denial that, frankly, sounded arrogant. All of this goes against his brand as a sunny ways feminist. So what does this mean for the government, for Miss Wilson-Raybould's future? I want to hear from you. Uh, is this changing your impression of Justin Trudeau? Is there anyone out there who liked him before but doesn't like him anymore? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now we go to Murray Rankin. He's the NDP Justice Critic and Vice Chair of the Justice Committee. He was in the room questioning Jody wilson Raybold, and he is on the line from Ottawa. MPP MP Rankin, welcome. How you, Thanks. How you doing? We're we're fine here. So first, I have to ask you: When you started to hear her testimony, was there anything that surprised you? Oh, there was an enormous amount that surprised me. But I can tell you, and I invite any of your listeners to watch the testimony or listen to it. Uh, This struck me uh, after many, many years being a lawyer and listening to a lot of witnesses in the box, as it were, as as a very, very credible person, a very honest, straightforward, and obviously courageous person to do what she did. I mean, she exposed an attempt, an incredible, relentless attempt by the political people at the top of our political system to change her mind that she made as an independent. A legal officer, our Attorney General of Canada, and she said no, and she said no, and she said no, until finally she had to tell him to please back off, and eventually after threats and bail threats and consequences that were being explained to her, she basically no longer found herself in cabinet, and well, she I think demoted. she spoke the truth yesterday. Um, I was surprised that from the moment she sat down, uh, she said right off the top she was su- su- subjected to relentless pressure. Did, did you expect that? No, of course not, because we live in a system where people should understand that you don't interfere with the administration of justice. Let me explain it to your listeners in very simple terms and why this is so important. You know, if I get charged with something and I'm an enemy of the government, 
they're going to go after me if they politically can, even though the attorney general or the you know prosecutor might not think that charges are warranted. And away I go to court anyway. Um, that's what happens in some places that aren't democracies. I call them banana republics and places like that. That's not the Canada that I love. That's not the Canada that we take for granted in terms of the civil liberties and rights that we have. This is a very, very big deal. I mean, if you believe her, and I do, then she's saying to us that people all around Prime Minister Trudeau, from the top of the public service to the top political advisors, browbeat her relentlessly until she cut a deal and did something for partisan purposes in one province, Quebec, and that therefore we should just... You know, you should just suck it up and do what you got to do or, or you're not part of the team. And that's not how it works. And she said no. She said no. Uh, what she also said was that there was nothing illegal here. Do you agree with that? That's a good question, and obviously a central question. I've been around long enough to know that before I would answer that, I would like to know what the charges are, how former courts have looked at that section of the criminal code, you know, in other cases, and and come to a a, um, a, a good faith uh, conclusion. I haven't yet had a chance to do that. You can imagine four hours of this yesterday. We haven't had a chance to really figure out what the next steps would be. Uh, I mean, we're, we're all just shaking our head in Ottawa. This is the biggest bombshell since I became a member of parliament for sure. And, you know, some people are saying it should bring the government down. I think we need to hear the prime minister under oath at an inquiry telling his story. He's dismissing it, brushing it off as he's done four or five different ways since this, this thing broke. Let's hear from, let's hear from him and let's hear from um, the people like uh, uh, Mr. Butts and, uh, and Ms. Telford and the, 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 the clerk of the Privy Council who already testified. Let's see if he uh, has a different account now that uh, she's given us texts and documents and emails and a thorough account of what she experienced. I want to hear what the other side says, and then we'll make some decisions. But then again, she said nothing illegal happened. And at the end of the day, SNC-Lavalin did not get their deferred prosecution. They they are facing that's criminal the line, charges. That's the, that's the exact line that the clerk of the Privy Council tried to say. Oh, the system works. Isn't this great? Congratulations. Forgetting the fact that we have this documented political interference attempt that it sure looks to me occurred. And that's the story. Not that she was brave enough, strong enough, courageous enough to stand up to these people. As, and well, that's all good. Nothing moved. Let's move on. Drive on. Nothing here. That's not what this is about. This is an attempt to subvert the administration of justice. Uh- the Conservatives are calling on the Prime Minister to resign. Your party is not. Uh, yep. Your party is saying, hold on one thing at a time. Do you uh, right. agree with that? Of course. I mean, to me, it's only right that we would have everybody's account. I mean, I believed her implicitly with what she said, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybaud, and I know uh, my Conservative colleagues uh, did as well. And I didn't even think the Liberals dis- ever said they didn't agree with her. But nevertheless, I think it's important that we hear fully and thoroughly about what happened from the Prime Minister's perspective. Um, if he refuses to have a public inquiry, if he refuses, if he continues to take this, you know, put his head in the sand and suggest there's nothing here, then 
then people have legitimate questions. And at that point, maybe we can take a different stand. But for now, I want to do the, the right thing. You'll remember, your, many of your listeners will, the uh, Gomery inquiry that looked into the sponsorship scandal and how much we learned as Canadians about just what was going on in the Liberal Party at that point in time. Now, this government claims to be uh, different. Uh, Canadians were told that this was an entirely new approach, and there was a lot of optimism when the Prime Minister and his team got elected. Uh, I don't want them to throw all of that away. I don't want Canadians to get cynical about our system. I want them to understand exactly what happened. Uh, there seems to be a picture, and, and some commentators are describing it this way, as a, a government run by backroom, very powerful backroom heavies, even though right. this obviously went up to the Prime Minister itself. And then we had uh, the, the clerk of the Privy Council saying... You know, um, the, 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 the prime minister wants to get this done by, you know, one way or another. I was going yeah, to say one by, way or the other. by crook, but <laughs> yes, go ahead. I was going to say, and it's, that, that is the problem. That is exactly the problem. The pressure that was put on her, um, the, the, the account that she provided about how the, it appears the, from her testimony, the clerk of the Privy Council was saying, he wants this to be done, you know, he's, uh, he's not in a mood to take no for an answer, you know, and there'll be consequences. Uh, you know, veiled threats is how she described it three or four times. Uh, and, and, and since they didn't get their way, they got another attorney general in who might be more amenable to, uh, doing a plea deal and dropping the criminal charges. Um, I, I, it's just so mind boggling. I'm having a hard time getting my head around the enormity of what we've heard. What do you think? And this I really means? want you to know that this. I'm I'm a partisan politician. Okay, I I get that. I I often do things from a partisan perspective, but I can honestly say that I am not doing this or re- responding this way for partisan reasons. I take no joy in having this exposed to let the Canadian public hear her account of what just how um, horrible it must have been for her at the very top of our political uh, and legal system. Like I take no joy. This is not something that we should try to say, oh, you know, and I don't want the Liberals to somehow be able to spin this as, oh, it's just a partisan attack. It is not. I've been a lawyer for 40 years. I've never seen anything like this in my country, and I'm very upset about it. I I can hear that. Um, A lot of people are asking, especially Liberals, well, then, why didn't she resign after she was demoted to Veterans Affairs? Is that a fair question? Interesting one. Yeah, I mean, you know, so she stands up, she does the right thing, and then, you know, she it, it, they, it was not a situation where the government had yet forced her to do something, and then she had to resign. I mean, to me, the, the story is she stood up courageously and said, no, no, no. Now, she told us in her testimony, however, that if there was, she was in cabinet for, as you know, a short time as Veterans Affairs Minister, I think about a month. Mm-hmm. She testified that if the new attorney general were to come in and to have directed that this prosecution disappear, right, and, and, and uh, take it over, that she would have resigned on the spot. That's what she said. But I don't know why, you know, we should think she has to resign just because she did the right thing. Uh, well, she went, uh, I mean, uh, I guess part of the problem is the two roles, Minister of Justice right. and Attorney General. So uh, as as one of the, you know, the Prime Minister's minister who serves at his discretion, you know, if she goes against him, uh, and doesn't want to do what he says, she should resign. So do you yeah. think that 
those two roles should be separated with the attorney general not sitting at the cabinet. Yeah, that, that's an excellent question. And, and I think when, this, when all the dust settles, smoke clears, I think we really need to ask ourselves that question. Some of your listeners will know that, that what you've described is precisely how uh, mother parliament works. That is to say, the British system, the attorney general sits outside the cabinet, so there's none, no political shenanigans. Uh, you know, it's clear that, and this was what our committee was studying, uh, that it's clear that there's no problem for a, a minister of justice or even attorney general to wearing that other hat that you described to hear political discussion hey you know this is going to cost jobs hey this is going to be hard for us in the province of quebec hey there's other considerations you need to take into account they'll move their head office blah 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 okay and then at some point after hearing all of that input she wa- she goes into a private room locks the door and makes the decision she must make the decision she made was to listen to the independent public prosecutor who said, Kathleen Roussel is her name, this is not a suitable case for one of these plea bargains, these so-called deferred prosecution agreements. And, and then she said, Ms. Attorney General, you know, you have the right to change my decision. You just got to publish it in the Canada Gazette so the whole world knows that you've reversed it and you've got to tell the world what the reasons were. Nothing wrong with that. But the moment the decision was made that I'm not changing my mind, 10 phone calls, 10 meetings, highest level people haranguing her, badgering her staff, threatening with reprisals. That's how it worked. That's not right. What would you like to leave us with? I'd like to leave you with hope. I'd like to let you know that we don't very often have situations like this. I don't want your listeners to somehow think I'm suggesting or that this leads us to think that our system of justice doesn't work. One of the things I take as a Canadian very, very, very seriously and makes me sleep better at night is we have a very fair, robust system of justice and we live in a system called rule of law. Once in a while we see problems and this one is exposed and we have to do something about it. But you know, don't ever take for granted the need for rule of law. Don't ever take for granted the need for an independent attorney general. These principles are worth fighting for. Okay, Murray Rankin, thank you so much for being with us. You bet. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I have time for one call before we take a break and go to the next part of this story. Tony in Niagara. Hi, Tony. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Okay. Well, uh, Trudeau should resign, step down. It was very terrible what she did to that woman there. These liberals are a bunch of thugs, and it's a fake government. They promised us everything. They gave us nothing. And I just can't understand why the RCMP hasn't investigated already, or have they? And maybe it's because they're finding out a lot of other things that they don't want us to know. Like, I can't believe this government could do this to us. Like, this is not the Canada of yesterday. Like, it's all changed the way it looks. And thank God there are people like Mrs. Jody that are around to fight for us. And that's all I want to tell you. Okay, Tony, thanks for that. Take And uh, yeah, as I mentioned several times, Miss Jody Wilson-Raybould said nothing actually illegal happened. We're going to take a break. Uh, callers, hang on. We will get to you. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk to our very excellent pundits and analysts uh, to get more on this story. And we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. 
Welcome back. We are talking about Jody Wilson-Raybould's explosive testimony before the Justice Committee yesterday and the liberal response and what's ahead next for the government, for all of us. And we are turning to our panel. We've got Patrick Gossage, who is the chairman of Media Profile and a liberal commentator, and Kingston, who is a senior writer and columnist with McLean's, and Jamie Ellerton, who is a principal at Canaptis. Hi, all. Thanks so much for being with us. Hi. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's start with Anne Kingston. Uh, You wrote a very interesting piece about this before the testimony. Uh, What is your take, having watched it yesterday? Well, as you as you said, Libby, it was it was explosive. It was jaw dropping. It was, um, I think, brilliantly constructed on the part of the justice uh, former justice minister. She cut to the chase. She said as much as she was allowed to say. She, I, I think, absolutely um, det- detonated uh, what had come before. So we're still. I, I'm still unpacking it, but I think uh, obviously it was. Um, you know, a flamethrower uh, performance on her part. Yet, I mean, I say that at the same time, she was incredibly <laughs> judicious and measured um, in in her in both her statement and uh, the th- the three hours of questioning that followed it before Justice Committee. Okay, Patrick, you jumped in there. How bad is this for the Liberals? Well, I think. You know, it's a it's it's bad in that it's really, and I think Anne would agree on this. This, this isn't a big legal fight. This is a fight about the image of Trudeau mm-hmm. and Absolutely. what he stands for, and whether he can recover with his image so badly, uh, so badly burned with the flamethrower. I like that. So badly flamed and burned and charred by a woman who happens to be an Aboriginal as well, who you know was harassed and threatened according to her testimony and it's just it's like everything he doesn't stand for and while no law was broken i think we have to remember that and while uh lavalin is still being prosecuted i mean she did not change her mind maybe the new guy will we'll see about that that's something we could talk about maybe but anyway well well you know the the prosecution continues and she did not change her mind uh, you know, Trudeau's image has taken a huge hit, and I, I really have been trying to think if I was advising him what I'd tell him to do, but so far he hasn't really done much to show any empathy or sympathy for this woman that clearly has, you know, has won the sympathy of a lot of Canadians, that's for sure, Jamie, including Ann Kingston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie Ellerton, uh, Andrew Shear, head of the Conservatives, called on Trudeau to resign. Is that jumping the gun a little bit? I'm not sure it's necessarily jumping the gun. There was a lot that came out yesterday as a part of Jody Wilson-Raybould's testimony uh, that I think leaves a lot of questions to be answered and really speaks to the core of how this government operates. I think one of the things that's been crystal clear over the past few weeks in the Prime Minister's response is they don't think they've done anything wrong. And so if you look at the facts as we know them and the sequence of events, SNC-Lavalin successfully lobbied to have deferred prosecution agreements, criminal code amendments, put into last year's budget bill. They didn't end up getting the prostitution agreement, and you saw a four-month campaign with uh, over 20 meetings and phone calls, specifically targeting the Attorney General, trying to get her to change her mind from the Prime Minister's office, the Prime Minister, uh, the Clerk of the Privy Council, Minister Morneau's office was the new development yesterday, and other staffers within this government uh, to try and get her to bend, and she didn't waver. And so for Canadians, I think there's a really clear question is, 
did something wrong go on here, yes or no? And I think most Canadians think that something has gone on here and that something needs to change. And I think if you look at the way that they've gone about it and the kind of like one rules for the connected liberal insiders and one rules for everyone else dynamic that's coming out of this, uh, this really goes to the core of the government's moral authority and their ability to govern. And I do think it's not necessarily jumping the gun uh, for Andrew Scheer to call on the prime minister to resign. And Kingston, uh, do you agree? And what do you think is next for Jody Wilson-Raybould? It's hard to imagine how she can continue to sit in the Liberal caucus. Absolutely. That is the big question right now. I think I totally agree that this becomes an issue of moral authority and it is going to be fought out perhaps um, on those lines. At the same time, you've got Justin Stowe standing firm in terms of his supporting of, you know, jobs, 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 and, you know, the middle class, etc. So he's, he's reiterating those lines again and again. And I think for some people, it, those lines resonate. But in terms of Jody Wilson-Raybould, I think we saw yesterday, and she herself said she didn't believe that any, there was any criminal behavior here, but that's really not the question. It goes, as Patrick was saying, about brand. But I think we've also seen the creation of, of a political, a new, a new character on the Canadian political stage that we've never seen before as, you know, her, 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 um, you know the what we saw in front of the justice committee was was sort of unparalleled she was calling and a sitting mp calling her own government to task for interfering um you know politically in a partisan way with an ongoing you know judicial uh process and that is that is incredibly damning and should be concerning i think to canadians so in terms of what she does next that's a question mark because i mean justin trudeau himself is you know that people have been saying, well, is he going to throw her out of caucus? Um, and he has basically said, I'm still thinking about it. Now, that could be, that absolutely could be a checkmate for him if he does that. Uh, so we'll see. I think she has thought this out a few moves ahead. She, uh, she does not strike me as someone who is not, um, not methodical in everything she does and says. Patrick Gossage, um, is, is he kind of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't throw her out? Well, well, he's in a real bind. I mean, nobody has run into this kind of woman before, you know, like they totally misjudged her. Uh, I mean, they should have known that this kind of pressure was going to backfire on them. As soon as it appeared in the Globe and Mail, and by the way, the Globe's justified and the role of the media has certainly been justified. As for, as for her future, um, I don't think it's going to be easy for Trudeau to harass, you know, to do anything bad to her anymore, nor is it going to be easy now for the, for the new attorney general to, to reverse her, her, uh, you know, well thought out, apparently, uh, refusal to in- interfere in the, uh, prosecution of, of Lavalin. I mean, that's a dead issue now. So, I mean, the other obvious thing is, and, you know, Shear was asked that last night by some reporter, is, <clears throat> are we just going to sit back? And, I mean, this is Trudeau's problem, really. And watch, you know, watch Lavalin, you know, be, you know, tank. I mean, it's tanked in the stock market already. And, uh, I mean, they're going to try and weasel out of this 10-year refusal, uh, you know, this 10-year ban on government contracts. Yeah, they're apparently drafting the the legislation uh, so it's changed, so that they don't have that consequence. So, you know, the jobs, jobs, jobs thing, I mean, I don't know, it's it's really jobs, jobs, jobs versus, versus, you know, harassing a really incredible, incredibly uh, 
principled woman uh, and interfering, not well, interfering without success, by the way, interfering in a in a in the uh, relationship between the attorney general and the prosecution the, the, and the prosecution. Um, it's 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 a it's a tough political call, you know, and it's it's going to be difficult. And boy, I'm I'm glad I'm not in the PMO, and I'm sure Jamie is too. If it's not in that PMO anyway. And Jamie, uh, you know, Patrick uh, probably laid out how it should be put before the public: a, a principled woman versus jobs, jobs, jobs. But is Trudeau uh, since her testimony has Trudeau been successful at uh, making it about that? No, I think he's actually failed abysmally on that. And if you kind of look at where the story has gone since the Globe and Mail broke it at the beginning of February, their story and tactics and how they tried to react to this has continued to shift for weeks. And they've now kind of been boxed in with the clear, hard accounting with precision and documentation of the substance of meetings and the volume of them uh, over the course of these past weeks. And I think it kind of goes to the point now where the Liberal Party as a proud political institution in its best form probably still can have a fighting chance, but the Liberal Party needs to sever uh, Justin Trudeau and those implicated in the scandal from that. Uh, otherwise, this is going to continue to hound them going forward. And I think the hollow jobs, 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 and I'm sure just annoyed at listeners saying that the fourth, fifth, and sixth time there, when they were, they were expecting me to say it just three, is something that's going to ring absolutely hollow amongst the electorate. And Canadians know that something has gone on here that's not right. If the letter of the law allowed for it, changes need to happen because Canadians aspire to better. Uh Getting rid of Justin Trudeau, uh, and do you see that happening? Well, it's hard to imagine how he's going to get out of this, frankly. I, I, I mean, the idea of Trudeau not leading the Liberals at this juncture is is hard to imagine, but other harder things to imagine have come to pass. Um, I think that he has not acquitted himself well, he's, you know, the brand, as we've been saying, is, is, is incredibly damaged. The goodwill associated with it is, is heading toward bankrupt. Um, so I imagine they're having those conversations. I think, you know, his behavior in the, in the few hours, I guess, or days since his testimony suggests, no, he's going nowhere. He's going to continue sort of this facade that there's nothing to see here. And, you know, basically he, he gave it a dismissive Trudeau shrug. Uh, sort of reminiscent of his father. Um, so I think I, right now it, it doesn't seem likely, but I can't believe, I mean, the fellows on the panel would know this far better than me, that they're not having these conversations right now. Um, no, absolutely not. It, 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 there was actually an interesting article in in the Star with uh, two uh, top strategists who I guess would like the contract um, on, uh, you know, critiquing and and saying what had to be done. And, and they were saying that uh, Trudeau uh, should match her type of testimony going kind of line by line by line and that rather doing it impromptu at wherever he happened to be in Montreal, it had to be in kind of an August stately setting. Uh, would you agree with that, Patrick? I think that would help. I mean, and I think, you know, a little sympathy would help, too, for this woman. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's really hard to believe that he couldn't have said, listen, I understand that, how that she may have misconstrued some of the stuff. And I would say my staff did, because, you know, frankly, he, he only spoke through uh, Wernick, the, uh, 
principal secretary, that was the last meeting that really ticked her off when, when apparently Wernick said that Trudeau's going to get this done no matter what, you know. Yeah, but there was that other, there was that other meeting. There was that other meeting where, where she said to him, to Trudeau directly, are you interfering uh, politically? And he said no. And she, and she said, because I would highly advise against that. Yeah, no, but that was the first meeting in September. But since then, you have to you have to agree that and I, you know I'm like I'm sure Jamie I mean I'm very taken up with what staff does and that sometimes staff goes beyond what the prime minister would do you know and the staff were being don't forget the staff were being harassed by uh, Lavalani they were being heavily lobbied even the even the Morno staff and Ben Chin of all people my goodness you even remember him don't we Libby? <laughs> I uh, remember him well and uh, none of that about him surprises me having known him well Ben Chin threatening the attorney general and telling her you know jobs are going to be lost and they're going to move and you've got to do something I mean it's unbelievable but you know those are those are minor players, and I don't know Trudeau's direct implic- direct uh, intervention with her. Uh, maybe you know less less uh, serious than than we'd like to think. But I absolutely agree. He's got to really come clean, and he's got to give a long interview to somebody. Maybe I don't know. Where's Peter Mansbridge when we need him? You know, and really explain. I'm available. You know, yeah, you're, I know you're available. I'm sorry. But I'm, sorry, Butts, he's not going to choose me. <laughs> Butts, Butts was my friend, and I can't call him anymore, you know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but I think uh, part of know. what's going on here, Libby, is we've seen, like, the political damage has taken their hit. If when this had first come out, the prime minister or the prime minister's office had been more forthcoming, surely knowing what Jody Wilson-Raybould was going to eventually say, uh, with what she said at the Justice Committee yesterday, if they had been more forthcoming and come out strong and acknowledging that, yes, government concerned about jobs, here's how we've gone about it, and made the exactly. case of this weeks ago, they would have had a fighting chance, and this maybe could have been a few days story, and it would have been a classic he said, she said, Ottawa political story, and it would have blown away. But they didn't do that. They let this fester. They continued to deny that any wrongdoing was. They questioned her own integrity and her own character. And if anything, it's actually given her a bigger platform and a larger audience to share her message. And she's come across as very reasonable and principled in her approach on this and something political parties uh, of all stripes would want uh, that kind of character because leadership in our elected officials actually matters on this. So the the strategy for the prime minister's office on this has been bungled from the get-go. On a go-forward basis, if they're trying to save the rug, I think actually showing some contrition that they've done done some wrong here and that they need to go back to the drawing board as to how they manage these affairs would maybe help to buy them some goodwill, but they're not doing that. They're now defiantly denying they've done any wrongdoing and are just uh, blabbing on about jobs incessantly in a kind of hollow, vapid sense. And quite frankly, it suits the prime minister well. Um, well, you know, hang on, hang on, everybody. I just yeah. want to take uh, one call here, at okay. least. Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Uh, I've been watching this. I've also been watching... Uh, I'm, I'm not a supporter of Trudeau in any way, shape, or form. But I think on this one, they really, really screwed up badly. I know it's extremely important. Uh, I can understand them trying to protect the jobs. I just checked that the value of stock has gone down over $5 billion, which a lot of people are affected, their pensions and everything. And I can understand what he was trying to do, but going about it the way they did was totally wrong totally wrong. What they should have been doing is they should have gone to the other two members, you know, like the the Conservatives and the NDP and say, look at 
what can we do with, you know, we got to do something. So they, they could have got, put the blame on the individuals. Apparently, SNC Lavalin has fired some people. They could have done something because now, as he said, protecting jobs. Um, I understood what he did, but doing it the wrong way. But he did it the wrong way because I don't consider him to be very, a very smart man at all in any way. He's bullheaded in what he did here, and he's bullheaded as to what he's doing with the carbon tax. Carbon is not okay, our Bob. Bob, we're we're sticking we're sticking yeah, to no, our knitting here. But, Thanks for your call. Um, yeah, so there you go. A lot of people have sympathy for this argument that they're protecting jobs. And by the way, this whole uh, mantra that it's only jobs in Quebec, SNC Lavalin actually has more jobs outside of Quebec. The headquarters are there. Offices. I've worked for them in Vancouver. I'm- Incredible company, you know. <clears throat> I mean, to say they're crooks and they don't. Rick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the, they have a, a history of of corruption and and Kingston. I mean, I I think that there are a lot of people out there. I know, you know, people that I talk to who have a lot of sympathy for what the prime minister did because they said, "Hey, the jobs that's important." Well, I think that that speaks to the effectiveness of the spin that he's putting on this in terms of directing the conversation to something that's sort of unassailable. Who's going to argue with, you know, protecting jobs? I think, though, it's interesting. We're talking about the sort of damaging control, so there's some way of damaging, uh, damage control out of this for the, for the prime minister that if he sat down and itemized, went over sort of forensically the way Jody Wilson-Raybould did yesterday in front of the committee, that somehow he would come out clean. There's another way of looking at it. Maybe the stink um, to begin with, and there's really no way out of it sort of in terms of recasting events because they speak for themselves. I can't imagine. Um, I think we saw that with the sliding responses that the government gave in the week after the, the Globe story broke. They kept moving the, the needle around a bit, trying to find something that seemed effective. I think it comes down to the fact that you either believe what she testified to yesterday in front of the committee, or you believe that the government was, and there was no political involvement, which I think she categorically made clear that there was. I think if Trudeau goes after that, you know, if he can speak to that directly, he hasn't yet, maybe he has a fighting chance here. But I'd love to sit, see him sit down with somebody. I'd like him sitting down with a tougher interviewer than Peter Mansbridge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you, Anne. Um, yeah. Okay. No, that, that would never happen. <laughs> okay. Let's take a call from Betty near Kitchener. Hi, Betty. Hi. Um, my comment is that a couple of things. So as far as the jobs that everybody keeps talking about, if Lavaland doesn't get these bids, someone else is going to get the bid, some other company, and they'll be hiring, and there'll be another Canadian company um, bidding that will provide jobs. So that's my one comment. And my other comment is that I believe that um, um, Trudeau really underestimated Jody when he put her in that position. He probably figured... Oh, she's Aboriginal background. She'll be so happy. She, you know, we'll be able to meld her, which is basically the way the white man has fought for since they came over. Well, you know, we can control these Indians is sort of was their thinking. And I think he misjudged her. And, and my experience with Aboriginals is that they are very, um, their word is, it, it may not be written. It might not, you know, from, 
back when they were taken advantage of so many times and put onto their reservations and whatever, uh, the government just figured, oh, we can control them. And I think <laughs> you can see that's still happening now. And as much as Trudeau has tried to um, show that that isn't um, his his intention with um, our uh, um, Indigenous peoples, it's coming through here loud and clear. And I am so proud of her that she stood up and that she has ethics and uh you know, uh, it's what always happens to the whistleblowers. You know, we go after them and we, uh, they end up losing. And, uh, you know, kudos to her. Okay, thanks for that, Betty. Uh, we are starting to run out of time on this. So, uh, Patrick, what would you like to leave us with? Oh, just, just really, uh, I'm very sad for the, for my party. It's, you know, there's a song, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. And, you know, it's, it's a sad day for the party. Uh, I'll be really interested to see what happens in caucus next week and cabinet. I mean, I think this is, they're going to, we're going to see divisions. We won't hear about them, but we'll certainly see them. I mean, um, Christia Freeland uh, said that she spoke the truth today. She's quoted as saying that. I mean, you cannot, you, you can't really, you know, put down this woman's testimony. It was unbelievable and it was credible and incredibly principled and moral and, uh, you know, you can't, it, that's hard to fight. So let's, let's just see what happens and, and see if the new, uh, attorney general bends to the pressure. That's the next, that's the next shoe to drop in my view. Uh, Jamie, your final thought on this? Yeah, there are plenty of unanswered questions and are even more to be asked after Jody Wilson-Raybould's testimony. This goes to the heart of Canadian democracy and the political accountability and how our system functions. And I think unless the prime minister can decisively and convincingly answer these questions, he ought to do the best thing for the country rather than the Liberal Party and just get out of the way. And give you the last word on this. Oh, thanks. Um, I, I agree with uh, with what's been said. It's a watch and wait uh, situation right now. Uh, and, but I also think it's interesting. Um, yesterday, Jody Wilson Rebold said, you know, at one point, my narrative ends here, referring to um, the fact that she there are certain things waiver didn't allow her to say about being in Veterans Affairs or her resignation. And I think that in an interesting way, when I heard that, I thought not even not even beginning. I think that we're going to see the spotlight put on her, and it's going to recast a lot of other things in the process. Interesting. Okay, so uh, this uh, story, as we said, is very far from over. People, if we couldn't get to your calls, Free For All Friday is coming up tomorrow, and I have a hunch this is going to be a big part of it. Thank you to Anne Kingston, senior writer with McLean's, Patrick Gossage, liberal commentator, and Jamie Ellerton from Canaptus, a conservative commentator. Thanks to all of you. Thank you. Thanks, You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 